The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And our guest today is Denise Mills. She's the co-founder and chief mindset officer of Leader Fuel Now, which is a company that provides leadership training, business consulting, and executive coaching. And today, we're going to be talking about what those things are that keep you from thinking bigger. We're going to do some myth-busting, so get ready to think differently during this show. And you're going to pick up some things that hopefully will keep you thinking differently and bigger as you go on in your business. Let me tell you a little bit more about Denise. She's a speaker, a facilitator, a coach, consultant, and trainer. She has founded 26 companies with gross revenues of more than $60 million, so she knows what she's talking about here. And she's coached hundreds of startups throughout the world. She also facilitates leadership workshops for the U.S. Department of State for the highest-ranking female parliamentarians and entrepreneurial business leaders in underdeveloped countries. Among her many achievements, Denise has served as project director for the Pacific Institute since 1993, and she's created a nationwide call center concept for the real estate industry and developed customized prospecting and networking programs for thousands of organizations. So welcome to the show today, Denise. Thank you, Kelly. It is great to be here. Well, I'm ready to do some myth busting. Let's, let's talk about that. Obviously, we're all about thinking bigger. We preach it every day. It doesn't always mean that you have to hire more employees, which is what a lot of people think. It has a lot more to do with a mindset. So what are some of the things that get in the way of thinking bigger? Well, so when I think about that, I think that, you know, working with all the different organizations I have, whether it's a sole proprietor startup business all the way to small, mid-sized businesses, and then truly the Fortune 100 companies, the same issues come up over and over and over. There's not enough time. There's not enough money. And then the third one, which is, you know, our people are just either not engaged, which engagement right now is just really a, a big issue in the corporate world. But, but in the small businesses, it's how do we engage everyone within the organization to contribute to profitability because a small business needs that. Right. And it, it's true. I think uh, when you say that it's, it's a major issue right now, we'll talk about it in more depth later, but something like upwards of 70-some percent of the workforce is disengaged at any one time. I mean, and they say America has some of the highest productivity levels in the world. You can only imagine where we would be if you could have that 70% fully engaged. That's right. It it is a problem, and um, I think organizations just don't realize, and they say things like, well, we know people are our greatest asset, but they don't realize that investing in their people and, and, quite frankly, the simplicity of thanking their people mm. or acknowledging their people and right. the contribution that people make makes a huge difference in the organization. Definitely. So let's let's take those apart. Let, okay. let, let's do some myth-busting here. So let's take that first one time. It's so precious. You can't get it back. I mean, every second it ticks by, it's gone. So what can a business owner, what can a manager in a
want real results. You want your efforts to count for something. And you don't have time to waste. We understand. That's why the Executive MBA program at Benedictine College is the program more than 400 alums say help them accelerate their careers and enhance their approach to management and leadership. You're ready immediately to contribute to your organization's success. We invite you to check out benedictine.edu slash EMBA to learn more about our program and what it has to offer. Radio, where we're talking with Denise Mills, the co-founder and chief mindset officer of Leader Fuel Now. We're doing a bit of myth-busting about why people, why business people in particular, often don't think bigger. What are some of the excuses? What are some of the myths that get in the way of that? We've talked about time, and now the second thing that she brought up in the first part of the show was money, dollars, that that keeps us from thinking bigger. What's the myth behind that one, Denise? Well, I think um, a challenge, um, especially for startup businesses and or small businesses, is undervaluing their products or services. That's probably that nobody's going to pay what I need to get paid to be profitable Mm -hmm. um, or I'm not worth it. Even though they know people need it, it's just like, oh, it's, I'm asking for me versus I'm really truly developing and delivering developing a product or delivering a service that people truly value. True. And, and when you undervalue and you get out there being the person with the low ball price, it is so hard to climb out of that hole. Uh, so don't do it from the beginning if you can help it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a mindset. I mean, so here's, we know too many stories, and they kind of go like this. Um, I charge X, whatever that number is, $100 an hour, whatever the number is. And I find out that somebody who, and I say this ever so respectfully, but somebody who I don't think does it as well is charging 250 an hour. Like, what's the difference? And the difference is they feel confident that somebody will pay them 250 and they're willing to turn down the person who says, I, you know, that's not, I can't pay 250 I can only pay $50 an hour. Mm-hmm. In the mindset of abundance, whether that's the right time frame or not, in the mindset of abundance, you say, well, then we're just not a good fit for each other. In the mindset of need, which is so often how you feel in those early stages in the early years of business, you feel like you have to, okay, I need the cash flow, so I'll right. pay $50 an hour, even though I know I should be charging $250 an hour. Right. Well, the other thing that some businesses don't realize is when you undercut yourself, sometimes that's saying a lot about you. Sometimes people who are coming, potential customers who are coming to you, when you shoot a below price like that, they're looking at you and thinking, why are they so much lower than all the rest of them? And, and it's not a good thing that you've given them a low price. They may turn away from you because of that, because they think you either don't have the experience, you don't have the confidence, whatever it might be, they don't want to be associated with that low ball price. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a perception of quality. There you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. so so quality matters. But I like the way you took that when you talk about uh, money. A lot of times we we say we don't have enough money, and so how do we get money? Do we get it through loans? Do we get it through friends? Do we put it on our credit cards? How do we get it? But when you started out and said said we we cut ourselves short and create our own cash flow problems a lot of times because we just simply don't price properly. Mm-hmm. So that that's a really important piece of advice. But let's say we are pricing properly and we still are having some cash flow issues, what are some of the things that we can do? I know that you talked about transitions through the different stages of business and your capital needs and your cash flow needs. Um, what, what are some of the ways that you can stretch those dollars? So here's some, some quick and easy ones. Um, the first one is bartering. Um, working with someone where you're already paying for services or services that you need, and yet at the same time, 
uh, they need what you have or would benefit from your products or services. So bartering is, a, is an easy one early on. Um, another one is, um, which I think people don't think about, is partnering with potentially even a competitor, oh. but partnering with someone who can multiply your reach mm-hmm. for now until you can manage it on your own. Give me an example. Um, so it might be something like, well, in my own business early on, I partnered with a training company to um, offer training programs that we didn't deliver because it would have taken us hours and hours to develop mm-hmm. and practice and rehearse to the point of quality. But instead, we just charged whatever we were going to charge our clients. Then we went out and we found someone who would do it so that we still had the margin, but who did it well and it's something mm-hmm. they did all the time, but te- technically they were our competitor. Right, right. Then we hired them, we subcontracted with them, they came in and delivered the services. Eventually, when we started developing the materials ourselves and so forth, then we were ready to go and didn't necessarily need that subcontractor. So that's just one example, but there's many that you could go out there and partner with someone to to deliver a part of the service that your infrastructure doesn't yet support. Absolutely. You talk about going to a competitor, but there are also strategic alliances that you can form for people who aren't necessarily your competitor, but that are contributing some kind of a good or a service to uh, what's coming to mind are weddings. I know this is greatly simplifying it, but I think that that it's a, a good example. In, in the wedding industry, you might see at the tuxedo place there on the counter, you might see business cards for a wedding photographer. And so when you start creating partnerships in, in that way, you're also extending your reach to get those referrals and, and so forth from others who are working in that industry that are um, complementary services, I guess you'd say. That's right. And, you know, the other thing is if we give first, I mean, we know the whole give mm-hmm. before you get kind of theory but until you practice this, like, why, why doesn't that person refer to me? And the answer is, well, when was the last time you referred business to them? True. And you don't have to refer business. If you refer good introductions, good relationships, that you don't necessarily know where it will go, but you just know that this person and that person would enjoy the conversation, that they have a lot in common, then, then what we do is we multiply each other by kind of bird-dogging for business for right. each other by virtue of gratitude. We're grateful. Thanks for introducing me to that interesting person. I'm going to see if I can find somebody as interesting to introduce you to, mm-hmm. and it just keeps multiplying itself. Exactly. So, so in the early stages, bartering can be very effective. And as you grow a little bit, but maybe you still don't have everything in place to offer a service or, or a product that you'd really like to be able to serve, you look for partnerships. And in the, in the later stages, uh, you may have an example, but one thing that I have found to be effective is as, as a business owner who's in a, a more advanced or more established position, you might start looking around, and this actually comes from Steve Kaplan. He's a, he's a business consultant up in Chicago, and he's written two books. One is Bag the Elephant, it's all about getting that big customer, and then Be the Elephant. How do you become the larger company? His approach is that you take a look at everything you have to do in order to get your core product or service out the door. And if you become so good at that that you can say to others, to potential customers, hey, I can do this for you, 
And so you then have a little bit of a spinoff division, and you can start offering something that you've already got trained staff, that you already know the process for, and you can start offering that to other people. And, and so that's another source of revenue for your company and goes to spreading those dollars around. And, I mean, this is one example that I can think of for a more established business. Do you have any thoughts there? Um, so a, another example that comes to mind, um, often someone who has a telemarketer mm. will sort of subcontract that services out. If they've got a really good person who does follow-up calls or survey calls or something like that, that they have a need but maybe not a full-time need, Mm-hmm. So they take that service out and subcontract with somebody else who can also benefit from that service, which is back office services, which would otherwise cost them. Right. And so they don't have a need enough to hire somebody full time. So mm-hmm. those are great examples. And another strategy that we have used is um, we, we did it as a part of our strategic planning to grow to the next stage, which was, we, you know, we, we heard ourselves saying we don't have the money to grow. How do we get the money? Yeah. And so we were very intentional about let's, and we were motivated by this, Let's get excited about finding the next big project. And that next big project, whatever that revenue is, is we set that money aside for the expansion Mm -hmm. that we'd like to do in the business because it's so easy to absorb that money into the business and just suddenly you lose track of it versus let's be purposeful and intentional about setting it aside and designating it for the expansion, at least the first stage of the expansion. It motivated us to get a piece of business that maybe otherwise we wouldn't have been intimidated by. It's like, let's get it. Right. Because that gives us the opportunity to get to that next level. Yeah. What a morale booster. I mean, how many people think about, as you described that, it made me think about when you're a kid and you're saving your babysitting money for, you know, that that next uh, record or that whatever, and you're so excited and you have a really good goal and a really good reason to save that instead of going and buying bubble gum every week or something. And you can use that same kind of mindset in your business and mm-hmm. it gives you something and your, your employees something to look forward to, which it also, um, you know, so that's a great transition into the people side. Yes. You know, when you can engage your whole company and they all have something to look forward to, whether you have, you know, three people in your company or 30 people or 300, when they know the direction that the company is going and they get excited about, let's go after this project. And some people are like, what? How how are we going to do that? It's like you put a team on it. You get very good at what you do. They go after it while others sort of hold down the fort. Mm-hmm. You celebrate everybody contributed to this because those of you that held down the fort, thanks for doing that, so that these two or three people could go off and, and focus on this for now because we're bringing that money back into the company to grow to the next level. Everybody gets a chance to celebrate, and everybody takes pride in that. Yes. It's, it's not that difficult, but we don't necessarily thank those that were holding down the fort for somebody who happened to be the salesperson whose name's on the commission check. Right. Everybody <laughs> plays a role. Everybody Everybody's does. equally important. So let's talk more about that third obstacle or that third um, myth about why you can't think bigger. Just don't have the people, or I just don't have the right people. I can't find the right people. Anybody I bring in doesn't do what I expected. The you know, salespeople, the last great sale they ever made was the sale they made to me in the interview. You know, mm-hmm. you hear that kind of thing all the time. So what what can you do when it comes to trying to find good people? Let's start at the very beginning there. Uh, obviously, once you have it, some of the things that you've said are relevant, but getting that team together, how do you, how do you go about doing that? You know, the first thing is um, choose wisely when, you know, employing someone. Um, make sure that their values are aligned with your values. I, I think that's even number one over and above skill set. Um, you can teach them the skills, and I know that sounds like, you know, if I'm hiring somebody, I want them to have skills. Of course you do, but we tend to focus too much on skills 
and not enough on are their values aligned with mine? Will this person step up and help mm-hmm. when I need them to, even if it's out over and above whatever I told them their job description would be? So um, values alignment is, I think, important. Um, and I, and skill set certainly is, is, I think, almost a given. But then the other thing is um, engaging them through expectation management. What do you mean by expectation management? Do they understand what's expected of them? Um, so here's a here's a simple example. I'll talk to, um, let's say, a small business owner and just simply ask them, um, you know, what do you expect of your people? Or, you know, what are you complaining about with your people? And um, I have a, my own mantra that we all contribute to what we complain about. So this particular leader was complaining about, oh, my people just don't, you know, they don't understand that everybody needs to contribute to profitability. Everybody needs to be a business developer. And I said, like, even your receptionist? Oh, yeah, even the receptionist, which I agree with. So my question to him was, well, does your receptionist know that? Mm-hmm. And, he, yeah. and he kind of gave me that blank look, like so many do, like, well, what do you mean? And, and it's, well, do they know that that's an expectation? Well, have you really talked about it? So when I go around and I talk to different people in the business and I say, so, you know, what, what is your responsibility? They all have an answer. Here's my job description or here's my title. True. But then I ask, well, are you responsible for business development? And 90% of most organizations will say, no, not my job. Yeah, and I would expect that's what the answer would be. Because how many business owners or managers take the time to say to the receptionist or to mm-hmm. uh, the person working in the mailroom, you're part of our profitability formula. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is what you can do to contribute to that. That's right. Yeah. And so imagine doing that in the interview to say, look, I don't expect you to be a salesperson, mm-hmm. but what I do hope that you'll do is advocate for us in the community. Be a good representative of us in the community. Are you willing to do that? Um, are you willing to, when you go out with friends, you know, are you excited about the company? Do you ever talk positively about your company? Mm-hmm. Or do you go out and complain about your company? Right. And and that's just the difference. And with social media these days, that's even more important. I can't tell you how many people that I see on social media come in home and, and they're so unhappy with their jobs. And they put that out there. So your company's being trashed or talked bad about uh, for lots of people to see with one uh, with one little post. Mm-hmm. So, and how easy that social media posting is to go viral. Oh, definitely. And suddenly the company gets a bad reputation because of one person who might just not have been in the right role for them mm-hmm. or maybe just didn't feel like they were appreciated for the work that they contributed. They might have contributed greatly, but nobody stopped by their desk and just simply said thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad thank you're you. here. I'm glad you're part of the team. Yeah. yeah. And so one of the things that I would say, in addition to advocating on the community, uh, feeling positive about your company, I'd take it back even more based on that. What's the impression when somebody, especially if it's somebody that, a company that attracts walk-ins, uh, foot traffic, what does it look like in the area where you work? What does your vehicle look like? Does it, when you're out on the road, is it always a mess? You know, because all of that contributes to the image of your company. You are selling the company mm-hmm. by creating whatever image you create. You're either selling it in a bad way or you're selling it in a good way. So all of those things contribute to it. An impression is made, whether you realize mm-hmm. it or not. I tell leaders all the time, you know, pe- your people are watching you, whether you know it or not. So even how you act hey, affects, the phone. Yeah, mm-hmm. affects how they feel. So um, I was working actually this morning um, with a, a woman, and we were um, you know, talking about senior leadership, which is a national company, so it's, it, the individual is not in the same city as senior leadership. And even the way she was describing it, it's like, well, no wonder your people don't trust senior leadership because you don't trust them. 
Yeah. You don't tell them. And, and of course, her response was, well, I don't tell them what I'm telling you. And I said, well, A, that's good. But B, it's like they know. You don't have to. They yeah. know. Your, your body language, the way you talk to them, it all comes out. You it don't does. have to say it directly. So I want to go back uh, because you were going to give me an action step after each one. We did not get an action step for number two, the money one. What would be the one thing you would focus on with the money? Um, on the money one, I would say um, specifically, first, I would, uh, let's do two things since we've talked about two areas. One is that undervaluing. Take a mm-hmm. good look at your pricing structure and see if you have beliefs within the organization, within yourself, that um, is undervaluing um, where you should be in the marketplace. And then the second one is um, where can you set money aside that maybe isn't being used as wisely as it as it could be for whatever that next level of expansion is. All right. And as we wrap up here, what would you leave us with with number three, the people? Um, so the simplicity of people. I think people want worthwhile work, meaningful work that's aligned with their own values. So if you if you hire wisely, then um, I would say the, the number one thing you can do to develop a relationship with your people is to thank them for their contribution. If you thank them and you appreciate them, they will want to do more for you. It's, it's not about more money. It's about just making me feel good about being here. Absolutely. And if we want to find out more about what you do, Denise, or have any more questions, how would we get in touch with you? Um, you know, the best place, um, as always, on our website, leaderfuelnow.com, is the best place to find out more. Um, and then our office, um, you can always contact our office um, with the number, which is 913 948 Okay, or leaderfuelnow.com. Denise, it's been wonderful having you on the show today. Always fun to bust some of these myths because we can all think bigger as business owners. And if you'd like to find out more about how to grow your business, visit our website at www.ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Twitter at I Think Bigger or like us on Facebook at Thinking Bigger Business Media. Have a great weekend and see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.